Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello and welcome to It's a Fandom Thing. I'm your host, Erin Marlowe, and each week I'm joined by a panel of guests to discuss all things fandom and pop culture, primarily from a female perspective. You'll find everything from fanfic, to cosplay, to Schitt's Creek, to Supernatural, and everything in between. So put on your favorite piece of fandom merch, set aside that fanfic that you're writing about your OTP, and sit back and enjoy this week's episode. So hello, welcome to It's a Fandom Thing. We're we're continuing our celebration of Christian effing Bale month. With a discussion about my sec, the movie that features my second favorite performance of his, The Machinist. And this also, you know, holds the record for most weight lost by an actor. He went down to 110 pounds, which was not something the director even asked him to do, by the way. <laughs> so, no. no. And that's just bail being bail. That's <laughs> just bail being bail. <laughs> He's like, I'm going to go full out. And then he had to go. Right to Batman Begins right after this, too, which still just blows my mind when you watch him in this. Because I rewatched it last night. I I own this one. And I hadn't watched it in quite a while. And I forgot just how good he was, honestly, even though it's my second favorite performance of his. I forgot how good he was in this one. So this should be fun. The reason I put spoilers on the ticker, I know this movie is old. So you've had your chance to see it. But I put it there (laughs) anyway. (laughs) Because... If you haven't seen this and you plan on seeing it, you should not be spoiled for the ending, I don't think. So, you know, there's a big twist in this that's, I think, kind of simple, but it's a big twist. So being spoiled ahead of time, I think, would ruin the whole journey of watching the film, frankly. So that's why I'm putting that there. So before we get to that, just a quick reminder that, of course, we are on Patreon. So if you want to support us for as little as $3 a month, Head on over to our Patreon link that's in our show notes. It's on any of our social media. If you go to our link tree, you can get bonus episodes. We are recording a bonus rent episode next weekend. I'm not positive when that'll be released. I'm aiming for by the end of January. And then starting February, we're going to be doing, of course, every season of American Horror Story, which sometimes I'm still wondering why I decided to do this, but (laughs) we are. (laughs) And then we're going to do a fanfic. It'll probably be four-letter word because Mal is very insistent on this. They are one of our most ardent supporters, and they're also a Patreon supporter. So I kind of felt like I have to honor their wishes. <laughs> and plus, I hear there's some BDSM in it. So that's so. <laughs> that's a bonus for Aaron. <laughs> so I'm like, okay, I guess we could do that because I haven't read that one. So that'll probably be the one. I'm thinking that'll be in the summer sometime. And I've already got Carla on that one, and I think Meg, and I don't know. I think that one's already full, but we'll see. Okay, so before we get dive into this very light, very easy breezy movie, 
Carla, what are you into this week? <laughs> well, what I'm into this week is significantly lighter than this movie. Mostly because almost anything is. Both Bex and Meg recommended the series with love from Prime. And so I started watching it and it is completely my kind of thing. It's um, it's a, a family series well it's not for family it's a it's a series that features a family and they're latine and they're amazing and there's like a lot of drama and they're they're a bunch of different um ships and love stories the acting is great and it's just a lot of fun to watch and we don't get enough series like this it has its flaws just because i think pretty much everything does but it's super watchable and anybody with access to it should definitely check it out yeah when meg mentioned that on um her favorite things of 2021 i had actually never heard of that show that was the first time i had heard of that show so yeah i'll have to add it to my really short list of stuff to watch. <laughs> super brief <laughs> yes it's not like a mile long uh well right before this I watched the movie The Eyes of Tammy Faye on HBO Max, and I think a lot of people misunderstand who Tammy Faye was, because yes, she was wrapped up a lot with Jim Baker and a lot of that, you know, televangelist stuff, and yes, that whole organization scammed a lot of people and all that kind of jazz, but, you know, she actually was a big advocate for the LGBTQ plus community she she like um in this they show she was one of the first to really she had a man on who was a gay man who had aids and at that time in history nobody especially in the christian church wanted to embrace people who had aids and she was very much like no i want to and i think it's horrible we're christians we should be embracing you this is part of who we are god made you the way that you are and God doesn't make mistakes. And that was the way that she thought a lot, which was very different for that kind of crowd. Like they show a lot that Jerry Falwell hated her, like <laughs> hated her. And I mean, anyone that Jerry Falwell hates is probably a good person. <laughs> That's the kind of endorsement you want to have. Yes, yes, exactly. So, you know, it's and um, Jessica Chastain plays, plays Tammy Faye. And Andrew Garfield plays Jim Baker. And they're both really good. Um, Andrew Garfield's performance of this past year was definitely tick, tick, boom. But he's good in this too. But she's really, really, really good. Um, So I do recommend that. Especially because if you didn't already know who she really was, it'll give you kind of an appreciation for her. Check that out on HBO Max. Okay, so we're going to get in to... The very light movie, The Machinist. <laughs> I keep saying that because it's so heavy. This movie. Hey, viewers. Get ready for a night of fun and laughter. I know. Get ready. Get ready for this entertainment. <laughs> this entertaining Hitchcockian film. So, Carla, when did you first see this? Did you first see it when it first was around? <laughs> no, I didn't have good taste back then. But then eventually... <laughs> didn't have good taste back then <laughs> no i'm kidding my tastes have always been fantastic um but it, the first time that, that i watched it was a few years ago 
and I kind of went into it not really knowing much about it other than Christian Bale's weight loss. That was like all I knew. And I loved it because this is exactly the kind of movie that I love. It's the the sort of thematic stuff and the character dive that really like sucks me in. And I just, I was in awe of the entire thing altogether because everything worked so well. The the score, the cinematography, and of course his performance is just so good. And my, I guess my overall impression was just, this feels like a really good Twilight Zone episode. episode. And, mm-hmm. you know, it, I mean that as a full compliment. I'm, I love the Twilight Zone. I love that it has um, a very specific style of storytelling, the mood, the atmosphere that it has, and it captured all of those things that I love. And I, I just, I, I can't say enough of how much of a good film this is. If, if somebody out there, first of all, if you're not, if you're listening to us and you haven't watched it, you know, maybe like put a pause, <laughs> yes, take a break. Go watch the movie and then come back and listen to us talk about it because you're going to want to do that. Yes, very much because I don't do not think you should be spoiled for the twist. Even if you do spoilers, I still don't think you should be. So, well, this is totally my my jam. This movie is my jam. I like dark, heavy, depressing movies. (laughs) Plus, I just like character studies. And this is very much a character study. And it's got that noir feel to it. And Twilight Zone is a very good way to describe it, too. And I know the writer, because this screenplay was, like, around in Hollywood for a long time. Nobody wanted to make this movie because it was so dark. And, of course, so you have to do indie for this. But my initial impressions were just, I just loved it. I loved how... You didn't really see the ending, but it was there from the very beginning. Like it was always there. And especially when you rewatch it, you see hints everywhere. There are little things peppered throughout that are like, this is what really happened. (laughs) This is what really happened. Um, And so I just think it's just such a different way to handle what the story is talking about. I'm not saying it yet, just in case people want to watch, listen to a little bit of this. I'll say when we get into the twist. But yeah, and and of course, uh, we'll get into Christian Bale's performance here in a second because, yes, the weight loss is a big thing. It's very jarring. The weight loss is very jarring. I mean, there's when he stands side, he's like there's like a side view. It's like, how is this man standing? I mean, it's really he's freaky. He's so thin in this and every bone is sticking out. He doesn't have an ounce of fat on him. And I know like running scenes in this were really hard for him to do because he had no leg muscles anymore. And he only ate like a can of tuna fish a day and smoked cigarettes. He started smoking. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I heard that it was one apple, a cup of coffee and a can of tuna. And that was his entire diet. Just, oh man. And all of this, from what I understand, over a typo, because apparently like the, in, in the script, they they said something about like he was five six, and then it showed the weight. So you know, uh-huh. if you scale it up to him, he's six one. That weights would have been different. But he's like, I can do it. He's like, Why would you want to? I know. He's... Yeah, it's so. That's the thing about Christian Bale is he's like, 
oh no, I will go all out. I will do this. And this was not what the director was expecting him to do at all. That's the thing. The director admits they loved it. They loved how committed he was to the role, of course, but they weren't expecting that because frankly, everybody, it's not healthy to lose weight the way he lost weight at all. And I think if he had been on like a big budget film and had a trainer or someone there, it wouldn't have been done that way, I would hope. So just to let you know, that's not a safe way. The diet of tuna fish, apple, and cigarettes and coffee, not a good diet. <laughs> we do not promote that Do here. not do that. No, <laughs> do not. No, do not do the Christian Bale diet. I, I think he has since said recently that he needs to stop doing this stuff to his body because of his family. So, yeah, because we worry about you, Christian, <laughs> especially in this. Yeah. Yeah. So let's talk about Bale's performance. Aside from just the weight loss, what do you think of his performance in this film? He just captures everything that you need to with his role. He has that um, that frenzied element, but it's it's subdued because he's so thin. It's you know everything is kind of under the skin and beneath the the. Um, beneath the pallor and beneath the lethargy that comes from, first of all, not sleeping for a year, but most definitely from being so unbelievably underfed. Because you can see that 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 Trevor has this, this energy in him that won't let him just be still. Like he has to be because he doesn't have a choice. His body is not giving him a choice. And any big movement movements that he has to make are by necessity not by by will so he he's you have that element of it you have the paranoia that also comes from a lack of sleep the the mistrust and the the constant worry about well not constant it's like he comes to a breaking point and he starts to not know what's real and who to trust. He thinks all of it's real. But I think at, at the same time, he's questioning himself a bit because th there's only so much that people can tell you, no, um, I think you're seeing things before you can, you know, you start thinking to yourself, am I? I might be. I'm not sure of anything anymore. And most importantly, that that weariness and that guilt just the, the overwhelming feeling of there's something not right and I caused it. And it certainly comes to a head later on in the film, but it's played out so perfectly to where even though everything is pretty much wide in the open for you as a viewer, you kind of want, you kind of hope that you're wrong about it and that he is actually experiencing these things instead of imagining them because he does become a sympathetic character. You, you do kind of root for him to get better. You don't root for him to, um, to get away with stuff, but you root for him to get better, which I, I think is just a matter of his skill as an actor that somebody this dead eyed and this, uh, somebody who, if you had come at it from a different perspective in a film, you would see as a not great person, but you do want for him to be well at some point. 
Yeah, that's, I mean, that's very true. This is a character that's very complex and very complicated. And there are moments in here, just the way he speaks, which is from the lack of sleep and from the fact that he's a skeleton walking that are very slowed down and very almost deliberate and everything is heightened for him yet he's tired he's like so tired because he hasn't slept for a year which by the way that's impossible <laughs> to do yeah i was gonna say i'm like mm, that sounds fishy my guess is that he snapped on and off and he just doesn't remember it because he's just so tired and skinny yeah, those little like, well, you would see little blips where he'd be in his car and he'd be like lighting a cigarette and he'd start to nod off. And I'm sure during those moments he actually did a little bit because you just, you can't, biologically, you can't do that. But, you know, having insomnia also kind of can taint your mind, even if you are sleeping a little bit. And he, even if he is taking little power naps, I'm sure they're not restful sleep because everything in him is about his memory and how he's forgotten things. And, you know, I wrote down like his last scene with Stevie, who is the um, call girl prostitute, whatever you want to call it, that he has been seeing and really forms a really big bond and relationship with. And she actually really cares for him. Well, there is a moment, this is a spoiler. <laughs> this isn't about the, the, the T word, but this is a spoiler, <laughs> but She's talking about how she'll leave this life and be with him. And um, she's talking about that. And they're up there. It's like this happy kind of scene with them. And then he thinks, Trevor thinks, because Trevor thinks all these people are out to get him. We'll go into a little bit about what the story is in just a second. But he has this moment where he's like saying, yeah, baby. You said, yeah, baby. Yeah, baby. And the way he says, yeah, baby, while he's crying because this was the one person he trusted. And in his mind, even though she hasn't, in his mind, she completely broke his trust. And so he's just kind of like that one shred of possible sanity, possible being okay, possibly being okay, possibly having a good life just went out the window. And the way Bale does that is really heartbreaking and sad and scary in some way because you can tell she's scared of his reaction because she's never seen this side of him. He's never been anything but kind to her. And here he is seeming like he might even hit her. He is on edge. She's like, I don't even like you. And she just kind of kicks him out, you know, which is good for her. Well, especially because the one of the clients that she just had beat mm -hmm. her up. And so she's gone from thinking that she's done exposing herself with that, to that kind of person to him acting like this and it must have been terrifying for her not just you know in general but especially because of that yeah and and you've got to think i mean she's probably had a lot of clients like that that have treated her that way she's already said that she has an ex that's not okay and that's not leaving her alone so she's probably like oh great i thought you were the one decent man out there and now you're not and you're also accusing me of something that I didn't even do and you're talking so weird you're almost like trying to gaslight me about something that I have no idea what you're talking about because he will get into the character of Ivan soon because he's accusing her of knowing this character Ivan that has been following him and that he's been seeing and nobody else ever sees and everybody's like who's Ivan there's no one named Ivan and then he sees a picture of Ivan and her 
or Ivan and one of his coworkers, sorry, with out fishing and with a big fish, those stupid pictures that men think are so attractive when they're standing there with big fish. <laughs> Every dating app I've ever been on. Yes. Why? <laughs> like, this is not going to get you laid, dudes. Oh, my God. I, I, I remember when I was dating and I was uh, dating online. And I live in Florida, so it's in every single dude's profile picture. You know, like, there's always one of them on a boat, and they're holding a giant fish. And I'm like, I don't care. You think I'm I'm interested in that? I don't want to go fishing with you. <laughs> I know. They always think it is. Or, like, oh, I just went hunting, and here's the thing right. I got. I'm like, this is not going to be attractive. Or here I am with no. my big gun. <laughs> right. <laughs> like, Why? Like, is this a, a, um, a dating app or are you trying to find fellow bros? Because I think that's another app altogether. If you want to find hunting and fishing oh. buddies, yes, hello bros. Oh, we should... okay. Nobody claimed that. Nobody claimed that. Aaron and I, Blue Eggs, are going to come up with Blue Eggs Bro Matching app. I'm writing it down right now. Blue Eggs Bro Matching. Yes. Yes, and we it will be a $15 a week charge. <laughs> go big or go home, Aaron. We're going to go with 30 Oh, yes. That's that's a good Yeah. Yes. It is the one and only Best Buds matching app yes. for, for cishet hunter fishers. Hunter fishers. <laughs> So, so look for that soon from Blue Eggs. We are copywriting it right now. We're trademarking it. Nobody else can take this wonderful idea we're going to make millions on. We're going to approach the shark tank eventually. <laughs> yes, let's do it now. Okay, everybody hold on for a second. We have to go submit yeah. this application to Shark Tank. We'll be right back. <laughs> Enjoy this music while you hold. I'm going to go back a little bit just for the people that I have a feeling people that keep tuning in have not seen this little gem of a movie. So just to give you an overview without the big T word. <laughs> so hard not to say it anymore. <laughs> Good luck. But basically this movie involves a man named Trevor Resnick who weighs 110 pounds on a six foot one body. He's basically a skeleton. He says he has not slept in a year. Um, he works as a machinist in, we never really get a feel of what exactly that company does, uh, but we get the feeling he's worked there forever. He doesn't really have a good memory. Like he's always writing sticky notes to himself. Like he always forgets to pay the utilities, but somehow always pays his rent early. <laughs> <laughs> somehow he's always able to do that. But he basically is living in like a dream state. That's the way it's even shot. That's the way the color is. And he goes every night after work to a diner in an airport. In an airport, for some reason, he decides, I mean, he says, hey, if I ever need to go on the run, I'm at the airport. Where he talks to a waitress, Maria, who he has a very flirtatious, friendly, nice relationship with. She's always giving him pie that he never eats ever you only see him really eating once in this film and it's basically about watching somebody trying to piece together this mystery because this man ivan shows up at his work when he's there taking a cigarette break and he shows up there and 
nobody else really knows who this person is. And for Trevor, he feels like Ivan's trying to set him up for something. And there's a huge accident that happens at the place he works that causes a coworker to lose their arm. And it's basically his fault. It was an accident, but it's Trevor kind of leaned back against, started up a machine. They couldn't get his arm out because he was looking at Ivan. So he is, Trevor's trying to figure out what is going on, what's real, what's not real, who is against him, who is, you know, are there people plotting against him, that kind of thing. So it's a mystery until the big reveal. And he's also, every day he's get, got a, has a sticky note on the refrigerator that's a hangman with a puzzle, with, um, sorry, I had to count, <laughs> with six letters. <laughs> And the only ones he sees there first, like E-R, and then a few start filling in. And then at the end, you get to spell out the word. I wanted to just say that first so people sort of know. It's hard to explain this movie without seeing this movie, though, I will say. But I want to talk about the other characters, especially Stevie, played by Jennifer Jason Lee, who is the um, prostitute call girl, whatever you, I mean, she uses both. She calls herself both in here. And then, of course, Trevor horribly calls her a whore. Pardon my language there later when he's yelling at her. And then there's Maria, who is the waitress who, let me look up, who's played by Atiana Sanchez-Guillon. I'm sure I'm mispronouncing that. I apologize. And then Ivan, who's played by John Sherian, who has the most unique face I have ever seen on screen before. <laughs> I mean, really, and there's a bunch of other characters too, but those are kind of the main characters in his realm. So I want to know your thoughts on those other characters. Okay, so many thoughts. Well, first of all, <laughs> just my take on what the movie is is about, I would counter that it's about a man who's trying to disappear. He, he yeah, ends that, up mm -hmm. having to solve a mystery, but he's trying to make himself disappear for reasons, <laughs> for plot twist reasons. Um, the women have a lot in common. They're both caring. They're both very nice to him. They're both nurturing and sweet. And most notably, they both say to him, if he were any skin skinnier, he would cease to exist. And they say this pretty much like, you would think it's like in the same day because it's one right after the other. Now, Stevie, she's basically asking Trevor to go study. You know, she's kind of hinting hard like, Trevor... <laughs> You're my favorite, Trevor, if only, you know, she's not exactly, you know, subtle about anything. No. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, and also she unwittingly triggers a lot of things in him because she's just going on about her life and talking about things as one usually does. And he... And, and there are things that she, that she says, like that, like that comment about his, his body that obviously he retains. She mentions that. Okay, maybe I'll save this line for later, for reasons. <laughs> I know what line it is too. <laughs> <laughs> I'm I have sure that you one do. written down too. <laughs> oh, okay, but Maria. Maria, she's very similar again in, in the ways that I described. Maria has a son and he, they have like this great rapport, as you were saying earlier, but 
there's he's the most himself when he's with her. Mm-hmm. Um, even with with Stevie, he has he's a bit shuddered. But with Maria, he's more comfortable and he seems to smile more and just feel more comfortable in his own very, very small skin. Also, you know, I I wrote down that, you know, whether he has mother issues because his mom died, this waitress's mom died. There's, they mentioned Mother's Day, like that's a day that they go out on this weird date, which I'm sorry, but like, if you're some rando who comes into my airport (laughs) restaurant every night, stares at your coffee and turns down pie, (laughs) why would I invite you to hang out with me and my child on Mother's Day? (laughs) I am sorry, it's not going to happen, everybody. This is just... This is creepy. I did not like. But because all of this movie is from his point of view. Mm -hmm. And from his point of view, she's not a very good mother for the reasons that I just mentioned. But then also she goes and takes a call and leaves this fairly strange man with her son and lets them walk off. By the way, not mentioning that he's epileptic. All of these things, I'm like... "Mm." I don't know, Maria. But, okay, so all of that means something, though. It means something later on. And there's a reason why that perception of her as a mother is the way that it is. Which you wouldn't imagine from... Okay. <laughs> I think it's so hard not to okay. say no, it. No, no, it's okay. <laughs> um, now, Ivan. Ivan is fascinating because no one else seems to know about him. He exists at the corner of Trevor's eye, but doesn't seem to exist for anybody else. It feels for a while, like, you know, it has like that uh, fight club feel where is he an alter ego? Is he a real dude? Why does his license plate happen to be the exact reverse of Trevor's license plate? Oh, so many mysteries. But he only seems to appear at, at certain moments either when Trevor has completely let, let his guard down or where he's at his most heightened. And that, that seems, you know, he gets more and more keyed up seeing Ivan every time. And by the time that you get close to the end with Ivan ushering Nicholas, the, the little kid into Trevor's apartment, you, you can't, you have lost all sense of, of trust that this person has any good intentions, but then that realness to him is so strong because now he's with that little boy. So there, there are just so many, many layers to why Ivan is there and why Ivan is there really is to lead Trevor to take the right path. Because in, in this movie, there are several times where the right path is alluded to. You have the, in the, in the ride that Nicholas and Trevor take in route six 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 which i'm like wow that is just incredibly over the head hilarious um they they have you know you have the the highway to hell or the road to salvation those are the choices you can take and they end up going on the highway to hell there's another point where uh or he where trevor is down in the sewers and he has the option to either go into the path of light or into this darkened um other section of the tunnel, he chooses to go into the darkened section of the tunnel. And then at the end, he's choosing whether to go to an airport or downtown. 
And Trevor's role in all of this, you, you come to to find out, it's like, yeah, he's a skeezy dude, but he is in his own way guiding Trevor to the path of righteousness. And, and I do also want to point out Miller because Miller yeah. is also, oh my gosh, this guy tried to be such a good guy. And he was such a good guy. He, um, Trevor in, in a moment when he is inexplicably asked by Miller to help him look at a machine that is not operating correctly. Mm-hmm. In the trance, he kind of leans back into the machine, activates the, the machine while Miller's arm is in it. And the result is that Miller loses his arm. Miller comes back. Everybody at the plant is ragging on on Trevor. I mean, like, honestly, this is a place where an accident can cost you an arm, a life. You don't know. And you have to trust each other and rely on each other. And they don't feel like they can trust this guy anymore. But Miller comes back, get a set, gets a settlement check. He's just ready to move on with his life. He accepts Trevor's apology and gets on out of there. And then Trevor comes after him because he has this idea that Miller is the one who is um, orchestrating all of these things and is breaking into his apartment and making hangman doodles on his fridge because he's not actually that cool about his arm being taken off by the machine. And he has this huge conversation at the dude's house. Mm-hmm. And, and it's just like, this guy has been unbelievably cool to you and you go and do that to him. Oh, it was a really hard scene to watch, to be honest, but I really enjoyed his character because it just shows you. First of all, it's like hope that there are good people out there who Mm -hmm. not just good people, but like people who are willing to be understanding and not necessarily hold a grudge, even though they're super duper could. And it's frustrating to watch that get thrown in his, in his face later on because he is such a good dude. Yeah, and it would have been really easy for the writer to be like, no, we're going to make him very angry and just like all of um, Trevor's co-workers treat him exactly the same way. And instead, even the first time that Trevor sees Miller after the accident when Miller's come to the plant to the area and to come to pick up his check, his settlement check, and he makes a joke. Miller makes a joke with Trevor and says, you know, because Trevor's like, I'm really sorry. What can I do? And he's like, well, you can give me your left arm. And, you know, Trevor's like instantly thinks, takes it seriously. He's like, I'm just joking with you. Kidding me? I've got this big fat settlement. I've got this, you know, and he's like, he go, he buys his dream car and he's able to just relax and trim the bushes, you know, and hang with his wife. Who You can tell his wife is kind of like, uh, why do we have this guy here who um, is the cause of this? You know, she's very, a little bit like she instantly changes her tune when she finds out who he is. So yeah, he's, he's a really, really interesting character and I'm glad they didn't make him confrontational because I think that's just lazy. Cause that's what you always see. And I don't think everybody reacts to certain things the same way. And I think it was also important in the whole scheme of everything in here and what the big reveal is, I think it was important to have a character that reacts to something like that in a different way than you might be expecting. But yeah, with the other characters, um, Stevie is, you know, it's very rare in movies that you'll see respect given to anybody in the line of work that Stevie is in. 
And I do think this film, for the most part, really does give her character a lot of respect and treats her like she's intelligent, which is very rare. And even though they kind of somewhat go into that falling in love with your <laughs> client, which I don't think probably happens that much and probably isn't a very healthy thing, I still think she's given a lot of agency where you might not have seen that before. And it's nice that she's not treated like you very rarely even see her like in any kind of sex scene, which is very interesting. I mean, you do see her breasts. There are a lot of her laying there, but it's not sexual. Even though this was made by a man, it doesn't have that feeling of like the male gaze, which I really appreciated about this character. And I'm guessing Jennifer Jason Lee probably appreciated that too. And she's really good. I, I, because, you know, Bale is great. I think everybody's great in this, but she's really, really good because she has to have this task of falling in love with this person. Cause I think that's what she's doing is falling in love with him who is really gone. This is not a healthy person. You would not want to fall in love with this guy. <laughs> and she's tasked with that and tasked with being sort of the caretaker in a way of him too. There's a whole scene where she's bathing him and it's a loving gesture. It's not a gesture done at all sexually or anything like that. So I really, really, really like to highlight the portrayal of this character because so often sex workers are not given any kind of respect or any kind of agency. And I appreciated that. And Maria, yeah, Maria is like this, <laughs> she's like this ray of light in the movie. And I think that's the way Trevor views her. And it really makes sense once you get to the ending why he views her that way. Uh, but yeah, the way <laughs> the way she's like, yeah, I don't know you. You're weird. You show up, at, you know, at the graveyard shift to drink coffee, never eat pie, which like you said, if someone refuses pie, that to me is a huge red flag. flag. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it's a huge red flag. And then you let this man take your son and you don't even get upset that you find out that he took your son on this scary ride. <laughs> and you don't tell him that he's an epileptic because then, you know, when they go to, and actually I think it's very, very interesting that Nicholas is the one that chooses the path they go on. And Trevor's like, no, no, to the right, to the right, to the right. He's like, no, we're going to go to the left. And then you see flashes and that's what causes, causes the seizure um, in Nicholas. But I think that whole scene is interesting because as they're going through the ride, it gets, first it's just like typical haunted house stuff. And then it's like stuff that like no kid should be seeing. Really gross, disgusting stuff. And Trevor is even like, uh, don't look. <laughs> yeah, they go through like this red light district and yes. you're peeping into windows of people doing sex stuff. Yeah, this is not a PG-13 ride. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes. And I and there are tons of other things, too, with Maria, but I'm going to save them till we do the big twist reveal. Oh, I said twist again. <laughs> we should be keeping a tally. <laughs> but till we do the reveal, I'm going to save those just because they're little hints peppered throughout and tons of them in this one to what really happened and what it is that Trevor ends up unraveling, um, including something that Trevor always does which I just think is so fascinating, but I think it should be saved for the end. Uh, but yeah, and Ivan, <laughs> just such an interesting character because 
he's so like his face. I'm serious. This face is the most unique face I've ever seen. There's something about his lips and um, it just fits. And at the way they light him, um, the lighting in this movie is we're going to get to the atmosphere of it here in just a second because it's just amazing. But his face is just so unique. And he has a hand that where he's missing fingers and he put toes, they put toes on his on his hand to replace the fingers, which <laughs> like that was an unnecessary detail. Why did we need to go there? I know. I'm still trying to figure out if there was a point to that one. That one didn't really quite make sense at the end, but <laughs> and also because it's like that that kind of like hang ten kind of thing. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> But he does say the ladies love it. (laughs) Which let me tell you, I feel like that's just needless bragging because I don't see that happening. And I think I'll I'll save all my thoughts on Ivan for the end because I think it's very clear what Ivan represents and what Ivan's role and purpose is in this film. And you could categorize Ivan as the antagonist. but But really his purpose is a lot deeper than that. But, and he's always wearing sunglasses, always, these big, huge sunglasses. He's always, like, too cool. He's driving this muscle car. You know, he's just, like, you know, he's just that cool bro dude. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe he and, and like, maybe he should go fishing. Oh, can he go fish with his toe hands, though? (laughs) That's a good question. (laughs) I've never given it. it. I've never gone fishing, so I don't know. Somebody out there, can you fish with two hands? Look <laughs> it up for me. Find out for me. Let me know. Yes. I mean, I'm, there might be people who fish with their feet because they have to. There might be people who do that. So yes, but it's one thing to fish with your feet as opposed to that's toe true. hands. I know that's true. Toe hands. It's so weird. <laughs> <laughs> I do wonder certain things in here if the writer was on anything when he wrote some of this in here. <laughs> I think it's a valid question. Yeah. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So those are my thoughts on on the characters. So let's get to the atmosphere because this is a noir slash Hitchcockian feel to it. And you very much, you're not sure what's real and what's not. Just like Trevor's not sure what's real and what's not. So did you, and the music is also fits very much into that. So do you like the atmosphere of the film? I love it. I love it. I think it's, it's done so perfectly because you're kind of in this in this state that puts you in, in a similar frame of mind to what Trevor might be, where everything's kind of muted and fuzzy. There's nothing slick about it. It's uh, it's that feeling of just surviving, you know, like that. That's the the, the feeling that I got overall from the from just the the lighting. And the the set itself, there's nothing necessarily vibrant about it, which is perfect. 
when you're talking about somebody who is barely alive Mm -hmm. and everything, because it's from his point of view, everything has that same, that same quality. And I like that it didn't let up. I like that it was unrelentingly this. If they had tried to, you know, to put in somebody else's point of view at some point and make it glossier or something, I think it would have lost a lot of what makes this film work so perfectly. Feeling like you're kind of drowning, Mm -hmm. you know, like where you're, where you can't quite come up for air, but you're not really dying. It's that, that's what this felt like watching it. And I really appreciated it. I I thought that they did an excellent job in, in bringing so much of Trevor's mindset and just where he was mentally to life even without saying a word yeah it's beautifully beautifully shot and you know muted colors all around and gray and somber and even sometimes the camera angles are different and weird and you know even his apartment is like completely muted and very little color um until the utilities go off and then you know, there's the blood dripping down the refrigerator, by the way, which is not, I mean, that's a spoiler, but that's not a spoiler about the end. <laughs> right, <laughs> really. right. And which is amazing that, you know, this is how you can tell he's so far gone is that's happening. All this stuff is just draining down his, I mean, it's a lot. And he doesn't do anything about it. He notices it, but he doesn't do anything about it. It, which is just shows you more how far gone he is because the reason it happens is he hasn't played his utilities and they turned him off and he even wrote himself a sticky note, but then forgot and then doesn't even pay him after they're turned off. He just lives like that because he's so focused on, like you said, I think disappearing is definitely the better word for that. He doesn't care. He doesn't care about not having lights. He doesn't care about not having heat, not having electricity, not having anything like that. That doesn't matter to him because he's just laser focused, especially on Ivan. So it's like nothing else. He can't see anything else. And I do agree. I appreciate that they never changed it. They never like did like an aspect ratio change or color change or perspective change. Because you're basically taking this journey with Trevor. You're discovering the truth with Trevor. And like I said, when you go back and watch it, it's like boom, 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 boom. Um, But anyway, yes, I love the feel and I love the score. I think the score is really beautiful too. The writer said, uh, I think it was the writer or the director, I don't know which one, said this is basically like would have been (laughs) <laughs> which this might come off egotistical, but I think it does kind of fit. This would have been the last film Hitchcock would have made. Like this would have been a very much, because it is very Hitchcockian and Twilight. Yeah, that fits. Yeah. Let's talk a little bit about insomnia. The only reason I put this on here, I just put insomnia. Because <laughs> there's so much about that in here. It makes you very tired watching this. <laughs> I watched it right before bed last night. So. <laughs> Did you go and like just cuddle up into your bed and say, ah, now I can sleep like Trevor? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Well, first I was kind of like, okay, I have to absorb this for a minute because I forgot about a lot of stuff that happens in this movie. But so Carla, I want to know, have you ever, if you want to talk about it, you can't, have you ever suffered from insomnia? Thankfully, no, no. I mean, like, 
horrible things have have not like super horrible like you know horrible within my life experience kind of thing um and i've, I've just been like oh this sucks <sighs> i can sleep just about before anything through anything but like the few nights that i have had where i just can't sleep they've really sucked so i but i still can't claim to know anything about what insomnia feels like but I know that that watching it just feels so torturous, whether it's in this film or any other film that depicts insomnia and its effects on the subject. It's just, it's a lot. I mean, there's a reason why it's used as, as a torture device because it, it, more than almost anything else, it takes you out of yourself and it, it erodes your filters and your, um, your sense of yourself within the world it messes with your with your mind with your body in ways that are just absolutely horrifying and i think that part of what makes this film which is a simple film but it's so powerful and effective is that while he's trying to make himself disappear and while he's trying to come to a conclusion about this mystery that's hanging over him the real goal, because every every movie has to have a goal, right? Like everything has to have an inevitable conclusion. The, the goal in the end is for Trevor to be able to sleep. And any moment where he's kind of like closing his eyes for even a second, you're like, just stay there. Mm-hmm. Just like, don't wake up yet. But it, it's it's not until he manages to sleep for whatever the reason may be that you feel like you finally have that moment of catharsis in the movie. And it's such mm-hmm. a powerful and simple thing that the fact that it's in, insomnia, that is such a, um, that is his torture that it really hits home, you know, that, 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 that like, it's been such a power, powerful force throughout the whole movie. Mm-hmm. I have said before, I've struggled with insomnia since I was a little kid. Sleep is the biggest mystery in the world to me. I don't, I don't understand sleep. That's, it may sound weird, but I don't because I've struggled with it my whole life. I'm on medication for other things, but it also helps me with, it's the first thing I've ever had that actually can help me with the falling asleep part. It's the staying asleep part. I'm, I'm a very light sleeper. Like anything can wake me up. And so that also interferes with it. I don't have good dreams. It's very rare that I have good dreams. They're usually stressful or nightmares. So when you have that, when you've had, like, basically, I feel like I've lost, like, you know, lots of, I'm not <laughs> saying my age, that's why I did that. <laughs> but lots of years. <laughs> From the year 19. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Um, so it's like, I've got this bank of like sleep that I haven't had and I'm a night owl, but I have to get up early sometimes, but I'm a night owl and I come more alive during the nighttime too. So that can also be frustrating with it. But when you have insomnia, I think this film clearly shows what it's like when you are sleep deprived, because it's like any minute you feel like you're going to fall asleep and then anything will, sh- and when something interrupts that, it's so frustrating 
because it's like you're almost to that and then you just get pulled back, whether it's your brain or somebody or a noise or something. And it, you can feel like you're in a dream state sometimes. You can feel a little bit like you're not sure what's real and what's, well, not to the extent of Trevor, but <laughs> that kind of stuff too. So it is, it's like, it's very much a torture device if you are not getting sleep. Sleep is essential. And insomnia is, you know, a horrible, horrible thing. And I think they depicted it really well to an extreme, of course, but still. Um, and I think it was a very interesting thing to use as a device for what we've realized is really going on. Because it makes sense that he would have insomnia. It makes sense that that is what kind of is torture his one of the things that's torturing him which is very very interesting so yeah i just wanted to touch on that so now we're going to get into spoilers here everybody we are just about to spoil the ending okay so we're going to spoil what this film is really about so this is your last warning <laughs> turn away now <laughs> you don't want to know so we come to learn uh, that what happened is Trevor, a year ago, since he hasn't slept in a year, at least you assume it's a, it's a year, yeah, he was involved in a hit and run. He was the driver, and he hit Nathan, the little boy that he ended up hanging out with. He saw Maria, the mother, so he's never actually met her, never actually met Nathan, and he hit and killed the boy and drove off, reported his car as wrecked, stolen. And so he's basically been living with the guilt of the fact that he killed a young boy when he wasn't paying attention, when he was lighting a cigarette, which is important because there's little clues on that too. And he was driving the muscle car that Ivan was driving. So Ivan is basically him and basically him before the accident. I kind of viewed it as that because he's wearing the same sunglasses that he was wearing when Trevor was driving the car. Trevor definitely wasn't as thin, had more hair, all that stuff. And in the end, Trevor has to choose between going to the airport to run away or going downtown to the police station. And he ends up going downtown to the police station, reports it, and then he sleeps uh, because he went and reported what had been keeping him awake and starving himself. So I want to know first, what do you think and then we can talk about little things that are peppered throughout that hint to this, to the ending. What do you think the film is saying about guilt then overall? I think it's it's saying that it can be all consuming. That it, it it's kind of funny because if you really think about it, th this movie at some points tries tries to put the onus on Nicholas for Trevor's guilt, as if it's Nicholas's fault. That Trevor feels guilty. It's like, um, if you hadn't run him over, you wouldn't feel guilty. Just throwing that out there. But yeah, there are just several times in the movie where it's like the film it, it wants so so much for you to sympathize with Trevor that it sacrifices that um, that burden of guilt. In the end, it does come through because of everything that you have seen with. Trevor not being able to sleep with him not being able to adequately feed himself to be a good co-worker in a very dangerous job 
to form relationships with people. I mean, to, to the point where he's he's going to an airport every night, not talking to somebody except for in his head. Because in his head, he's having all of these wonderful conversations with Maria. Mm-hmm. But in real life, you find out that he just sits there and stares at his coffee and tips generously and then leaves. So he he's not... The, the weight of it is there and it's destroying him because he is in a way letting it. He doesn't, he doesn't until he doesn't want to admit the guilt until it is actually killing him. It's not until that point that he's like, okay, enough. I have to get this off of my shoulders so that I can sleep um, and so that I can go, you know, back to some semblance of normal normalcy. So it's, this movie is fascinating because you can make the argument that it's really trying to let him off the hook in a way and let him unburden him, himself. And does he deserve to be unburdened? It's It's a lot of questions tied up in that. But I also think that just on its face, it's simply about how guilt can make you repress things, how it can make you, you know, how people say that, Oh, I, 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 I've lost sleep over this. Like he's actually losing sleep. He's um, his memory is faulty. His, his body is weak. He is actually dying. Is this his self punishment that he is letting himself waste away because even though he can't quite recall everything that he did he feels enormously guilty about it so it's it's a lot that you end up um wanting to think about coming away from it but i think that's part of the genius of the of the film is that it's the twist isn't so twisty once you go back and look at stuff but the the thing that you're really left soaking in is the feeling that that okay do you feel guilt for sympathizing with this guy do you feel like a good person for wanting him to um to let go of this guilt do you forgive him as a viewer for all of the things that that he did so it, it's it's a it's a brilliant use of guilt as an unseen character mm-hmm. yeah yeah very very well said, especially the fact that you question your own self when it's done, because there is that part of you that once he sits there in that jail cell and he's like, I just want to sleep. And then he sleeps. And there is this part of you that's like, finally, <laughs> finally, he can rest. Maybe he'll gain some weight. You know, there is that. And then he'll become Batman. <laughs> Sorry. So that. listen, that kids. The secret to becoming Batman is to feel horribly guilty and then to gain 60 pounds. Yeah. Um, The Christian Bale way. (laughs) I'm just picturing an infomercial. Nobody nobody used the Bale method of weight loss or gain. Both are horrible for you. Yes, yes, yes. Please don't. And I don't know what he did for some of the weight gain in other movies, so I'm not sure. But the weight loss, because we're going to be talking about The Fighter next week. And he also lost a lot of weight for that. 
I think that was probably done a lot differently than this one because uh, they had more money so <laughs> than this one did. But yeah, I think it is you're questioning yourself. You're questioning if you can forgive an act like this, if he should forgive himself for an act like this. And the fact that he his guilt in a way he was hiding behind his guilt you could even say that like he was like he kind of used it as this mask and this shield so he could ignore and forget what he had done and the fact that he had left and the fact that he didn't stop and the fact that he didn't turn himself in and he had done this horrible thing um you know and there is uh the line that i'm sure this was the one you were going to mention from stevie about hit and run drivers was that the line where it was? That's um, exactly it. Yes. The hit and run drivers, they ought to be hanged. <laughs> and you always see the hangman thing. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, oh, what a coinkydink. <laughs> yep. Yep. So it's all these things that it's like his con his conscience is trying to tell him, his subconscious. And Ivan, it represents a lot of that. And there is a moment right before he remembers what happened. And this is right when he follows Ivan into his apartment and Ivan, he thinks, has taken Nicholas in there. And he thinks Nicholas is dead in the bathtub and Nicholas isn't there, of course. And he kills, quote unquote, kills Ivan, like slits his throat. And then you see him even right, wrap Ivan's body up in a rug, goes to go dump it. The rug rolls out. And I love the way they shoot this because you see the feet, you see the feet. You see him, you see the feet, you see, goes back to Trevor, goes back to the rug. And then all of a sudden there's nothing in the rug because Ivan isn't real. Ivan is part of his conscience. And so it's just fascinating because it's almost like he had to kill a part of himself or go through that to really wake up to what had really happened. And you also see him use bleach throughout this movie. He's constantly washing his hands with bleach. Like all the time, even when he goes into a restroom at a bar and inevitably the, the soap dispenser breaks and then there's a bottle of bleach. And so he uses the bleach on his hands and he is like he there's a scene in the bathroom where he starts, you know, using a toothbrush and bleach too. And he uses all his bleach and he writes down and don't buy more bleach. So to me, bleach is like something you're bleaching. You're trying to cleanse away everything. So that's another thing. I think he's trying to cleanse away that guilt, trying to get rid of that guilt with the bleach. Uh, so it is very much, I think it's about also saying that if you are guilty about something, if you don't deal with that guilt, if you don't face up to what you did, it will literally eat away at you and kill you. Depending on the person, I'm sure if there was this was a person that wasn't like, <laughs> didn't have a soul or a conscience or was like a serial killer or something like that, I'm sure they would not care like he does. But I think that's ultimately what a lot of the message also is about. And also showing, you know, it's interesting to watch a movie and follow a movie and you don't know till the end that you're following it through a criminal's mind, really, through someone who broke the law, through someone who killed someone, you know, it would be vehicular manslaughter, but who, and left and didn't stop, didn't want to, you know, do anything and so that's really, really puts a lot of onus on the audience to decide, well, how do you feel about this guy now that you know that he, re that he really did? Do you still care about him? Do you still want him to gain weight and sleep? Or do you want him? <laughs> do you want him to be hung? I mean, that's really kind of the moral conundrum there. 
And I still don't know what the full answer is because what he did was horrendous and horrible. And, you know, I'm glad we didn't really see like a reaction of Maria finding out that finally the man who killed her son has come forward. And we don't even know if Maria and Nicholas are their real names, really, because <laughs> we never met them. So that could be the name he just came up with because um, we never really met them. And then it also makes more sense why he's hanging out with a kid at an amusement park and the mom's just like, okay, because I don't think that mom would have been like, okay. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, seriously. It's like, like that made me feel so much better about Maria. Yes, I know. awful. It's like, okay, she, she's not like, she's not real in the way that we say real. Okay, cool. Yeah, she's not really letting her son go off with this weird guy who doesn't eat pie. <laughs> I mean... If you take away anything from this episode, learn this, ladies. If the guy won't eat pie, <laughs> you gotta say goodbye. Thank you. I'm like, what? Is, I'm trying to think of a word to rhyme with it, but that's good. Yes. <laughs> yes. So there you go, ladies. Lesson learned. <laughs> that's actually Maybe the real advice. So I, I want to break down a few things in here because throughout the movie, there are hints everywhere. And once you know what really happened and you go back and you watch it, you're like, it's right there. Like, <laughs> like they spell it out for you. <laughs> so I want to talk about those. So are there ones that you want to point out? They might be all the same ones. I yes. Have, yeah. There are so many <laughs> and you probably have them all written down, but I'm going to say them. Awesome. All right. So the first one is right in one of the very first scenes after he, after you have that flash forward to him taking the, the rug and the rug unrolling and the body is in it back when you think that there is a body mm -hmm. and then you have the, the guard approach him and shine the light in his face and everything. He's holding this big yellow flashlight and then like right after that you're in trevor's house and right there on a table is a big yellow flashlight and that's when you know haha -ha, something is not right here <laughs> so like that that already kind of sets you and i like what's 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 really happening here you have um just the entire ivan thing his his presence in, in the film itself is a huge and, and that's why watching it even the first thing that i was watching it i all i kept thinking about was fight club and how mm -hmm. you know like okay this guy is clearly a figment of this guy's imagination the the question remaining was why um you had the post-it note where you know they make a big show of of showing you that nicholas had a drawing on the fridge in maria's house that his handwriting was exactly the same that it has like the same exact stick figures so you're like oh, a child is messing with this grown man's mind and it's like okay clearly that's not what's happening here because you also saw trevor writing a note to himself on those post-its to pay the electric and the handwriting was also the same so you know the question really was how is he how did he and Nicholas have the same exact height and handwriting? Which let me tell you, Nicholas is a young kid. He does not have handwriting that clear. He simply does not. <laughs> Don't fool yourselves. He does not. Yeah, he's better he... handwriting than I do. Sorry. <laughs> I know. I'm like, mm, I don't buy it. I have an eight-year-old. There's no freaking way. Um, 
although his handwriting is better than mine, which is just not a great admission, but whatever. Okay. <laughs> Another thing was the that every time that he hung out with Maria at the airport, the time was 1.30. Mm-hmm. Every single time. Why is that? Why is that? You find out later. I've already pointed out the license plate thing. He's reading off um, the license plate to um, at the police station. And if you had seen just before, that's actually just exactly his license plate just reversed. Big weird thing, right? Super coincidence. Super coincidence or super weird? <laughs> it can be both, but it's just super weird in this case. The um, the the constant the repetition of the choosing a path. You have the many times that a path is offered. You go either left or you go right. And of course, because it's a movie, going to the right is the 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 angel's way, and going to the left goes to the devil. And it's just over and over again until finally he chooses the right path, which is to go downtown to turn himself in at the station. And I think that the reason for that is because on his nightly drive, maybe he is constantly subconsciously trying to get himself to go downtown. He ends up at the airport because he can't face going downtown. And the most dead giveaway in the entire movie is the scene inside Route 666 where the entire entire ride is just spelling out for you everything that happened it's it shows you you know they run over a kid and they don't stop you have a mother uh, weeping over a grave you have that little red light section where there's a lot of porny stuff going on with the red lights and all that and um the the man hanging you know hangman a man hanging and that's something, you know, like uh, a manifestation of, of his guilt is wanting to disappear, wanting to die in his real way is um, not sleeping and not eating. And in this fanciful way, it's the hangman thing. So like you really, like I said, like in a lot of ways, this film tries to distract you and it does it pretty successfully from putting everything together because it's it's just... You're just so caught up in Trevor and in his his journey, and then when you get to the inevitable inevitable conclusion, which is really just not that shocking because you've seen all of this stuff. It's more of a letdown because you kind of hope that 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 wouldn't be what's happening <laughs> because you've come to to like this guy so much and you just really want to root for him, but it's like. But yes, it, they really do put everything out there. And then you go back and rewatch it and you're, and you're like, damn it. <laughs> it's so good. Yes. I, th- I think you said everything except for the fact that they go to Route 666 in the actual the muscle car that Trevor was driving when he hit Nathan, there's a little thing that says it's a Route Six Route Sixty Six is hanging on the rearview mirror. So that yes, also, and then right. also every time he goes to light um, light his cigarette and he uses the car lighter in the truck, that's exactly what caused the accident. Is he was lighting his cigarette and he wasn't looking, and so whenever he does that, he's got these little flash moments kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So that's another little little hint there i think i think you got i think there that was all that i wrote 
down. I think, yeah, the 130 oh, was, thing is the big thing. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. There was, no, no, no. It's just, there was this one thing that I remembered is that when he sees that, when he finds that picture of himself and his mother at that park where he took the picture of Maria and Nicholas, and he has that moment, like when, say, when he's taking the picture of, of Maria and Nicholas, and he has that distorted moment where like he's having all of these flashes come in not quite making it all the way you have that water that water tower in the background and then maria comes running and passes the water tower on her way to nicholas after he has the epileptic fit and then at the end when you realize that it's a flashback of when he hit nicholas with his car of maria running past that water tower on her way to her to her son um so like that one bit at the amusement park with that picture where it has like all of those flashlights. And that's also where, where the whole uh, mother issues kind of comes yeah. in that he, he has these wonderful memories of his mother who is now dead and now he has killed somebody's son and now she won't get to have those memories with her child. And, oh, just, oh my God, it's just so much. It's so much. Like it just, yeah. it breaks my heart. Yeah. And there's also uh, Trevor even has a line in here where he says a little guilt goes a long way. And even says that the hangman game in itself, because what really the word was, was killer. And I mean, he's for, he says mother and then he thinks it's he thinks it's Miller, but it's actually killer. Like there's even stuff in that when I mean, everything in the route six, 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 like you said, even when you see all the limbs like everywhere. Um, I think even the, the accident with Miller, even though that really happened, I think that's even <laughs> part of it too. And even the fact that when Trevor is trying to get information on Ivan's license plate and he thinks the way to do this is to have somebody hit him with their car so that he can go in there and claim a hit and run. Instead of like saying someone hit my car, which would have been a better way to do it. Instead, he does that, which is a total giveaway of like somewhere in his subconscious. And he doesn't even care. He like goes out, gets hit, stands up. You watch him walking and he's bleeding. And he's, I'm sure he's like got broken bones everywhere. And he goes into the police station. It did blow my mind that they didn't think, let's call an ambulance. <laughs> and see if I know it's okay. like, <laughs> like, wow. You know, like as there, as that one detective comes over to him and says, um, so this license plate that you gave us, it's actually your license plate and you reported your car totaled last mm -hmm. year. The guy doesn't think this guy has just been hit and run. Maybe his, he's not really thinking straight, you know, like maybe there's something more going on here. He just offers this. And of course, Trevor's first thought is I'm going to run away on my broken body, <laughs> which was just so agonizing to watch because First of all, how did that guy not manage to chase him down? The, the guy weighs next to nothing and he's barely breathing. And there, were, just and there were two people accident. chasing him. There were two people chasing yes. him too. <laughs> yes. Like you guys are so out of shape, man. This is pathetic. <laughs> That's why I was going to ask you if you think that was all completely real or was any of that in well, his mind? I think that that was completely real. Like, I think that that was, he genuinely, it was kind of a bit to do the right thing. 
but he wasn't really in the right mind frame for it. He 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 wanted to show up and and turn himself in, but he didn't really have the right words at the moment. He didn't really have the right motivation at the moment. And then it's just the ineptitude of the police of being so out of shape that they can't hang, you know, they can't catch a guy who's barely alive. I know, and they look like they're in shape too. It doesn't look like they're not in shape. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> I don't know. So I don't know. <laughs> Especially yes. when he has that it's whole like- moment pausing there, trying to decide whether or not he's going to open up the, the for the sewer. And and I'm like, they could have caught right. him. Like, <laughs> and he's having like the hardest time lifting the sewer grate because he can barely breathe on his own. He's just like. <laughs> Which was so, so hard to watch because like, and especially because when I rewatched it, I rewatched it after binging the Batman movies. And he's, you know, he's like basically throwing sewer grates all over the place every third scene. And this one, he's like. Christian, <laughs> this is not a good thing. No. Oh, Christian. This is why I worry about you. <laughs> I know. Hi, Christian. <laughs> Hi, Aaron. Um, I've come to discuss a little something with you about my body. I know that you're concerned, but do not worry. Don't worry about this body. <laughs> Don't worry about it. I have to know, Christian, have you had tuna fish since you made this movie? Well, you know, Erin, for the longest time, I did not. I could not. And I shan't. Possibly ever again. Except for this one time that I accidentally had tuna fish when my uh, grub hub delivered a tuna sandwich instead of a chicken salad sandwich. Oh my god. I hold no grudges against them, though. I rated the driver very nicely. It was not his fault. It was the sandwich shops. <laughs> they can only wow. do so much. <laughs> well, well, Christian, I want to just applaud you for this amazing performance. It's my second favorite of yours. I think you're Thank amazing. You. Thank you. I, too, think it was amazing. <laughs> <laughs> you, too, think you were amazing? Yes, it was quite difficult to get myself to that state in my body, as you can see from this picture oh here. Which is not my current body. This is simply a simulacrum for your enjoyment. Yes, I definitely print screen that because uh, <laughs> our, our our listeners who haven't watched this and our viewers have to see that because that's that's amazing. That that looks just like your body. <laughs> Doesn't it though? I've worked very hard on this. I commissioned it specifically for this episode of your podcast. Thank you so much. And I just want to know one other quick question here. Are, are you promising right here? You will not do anything like this ever again, right? Like this kind of weight loss, at, at least this way where you're just eating an apple and tuna fish and smoking and drinking coffee. I can promise you that I will not follow that exact same diet ever again. I am now also eating marshmallows. Well, that's right. You and your marshmallows. If that serves to reassure you at all. Yes. Oh, oh, one other really, really important. This is the most important question you will ever yes, be asked. Yes, Anything for you. <laughs> Do you like pie? I love pie. I love to look at pie. I love to smell pie. I love walking by pie. And eating it? I enjoy all aspects of pie. Good. Good, then you can still be our unofficial mascot. Fantastic! (laughs) Thank you, Christian.
You are most welcome, Erin. It was a joy to see you again. You too, and I'm sure we'll be seeing you again soon. Sure. <laughs> like, is this my month after all? <laughs> yes. Do you see what I did there? Did yes, you see I what did. I did there? That was an actor thing. That I did an actor thing. Pause. It was a dramatic pause. Yes, I wanted to keep you in suspense, and I succeeded. <laughs> you did, Christian, and happy early birthday! I hear your birthday's coming up. Shh! Don't jinx oh. it. Sorry. Do not talk about my birthday before the actual birthday. Okay, sorry. <laughs> I didn't How know that was a you. thing. It is a Welsh tradition. <laughs> is it really? <laughs> it is a Welsh tradition. We do not talk about our birthdays before our actual birthdays, lest they not come to pass. Oh my gosh. <laughs> That's amazing. I did not know that. Well, thank you. Thank you. Don't you feel more cultured you. now? I do. I do. I do. Definitely. Well, now that I have taught you invaluable lessons, I must go. Cheers. Okay. Cheers. Man, he's he's something else. <laughs> you can say you can say that again. You know, I I will say this really quickly. I do think if you just watch go watch Christian Bale when he wins the Golden Globe for Vice. That's the best acceptance speech in the world. That is fantastic. Oh my gosh. Especially when it says I want to thank Satan for this character because he was playing Dick Chick. And when he, like, you know, Adam McKay was like, I've got to find somebody with zilch charisma, no charisma at all. <laughs> Bail, that too. <laughs> that speech was just. It was so perfection. good. Because. You look at him and you're like, he's the most serious actor. But then you watch him on award shows and it's the exact opposite. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he's just amazing. a goofy old dude. That's why I actually think he'd get a total kick out of this. Seriously, watching that, I'm like. <laughs> <laughs> yes, Christian Bale, if you ever do watch those, please know that it's done with love. Yes, yes. We, we love and you And you can come to my house and have marshmallows anytime. Yes, yes. You can come to my house and have marshmallows. You and your lovely wife. <laughs> yes, wife bring the so whole beautiful. family. I have so much. Mar- I have so many marshmallows in my house. You yes. and your family are welcome. Welcome to them. <laughs> yes, and I and I know you're an animal lover, an animal advocate person. So you can hang with the cats with Carla and hang with the Fergie. <laughs> <laughs> we offer treats and fauna. How could you say no? I want to point out something. This is amazing, Carla. I think this is the first episode we've ever done where it's just us. Where we're basically at the end, unless there's anything else you want to add, and we're at an hour and a half. This is amazing. I know. <laughs> Listen to me. I am so shocked. Because I, I keep looking at the time and I'm like, nah. Is the counter broken? I know. This is very weird. I'm like, did I forget something? Uh, was there something we didn't really talk about? But no. I know. We, we touched did. on everything. It's amazing. Like, we went on a tangent, but we mostly stayed on topic, Erin. Like, are we okay? <laughs> I know. Is there something we're I'm hiding? Concerned. I'm concerned. <laughs> Christian Bale's concerned. <laughs> Christian's concerned. But, yeah, this is amazing. This is incredible, Carla. I think we deserve a medal or something for I this. I think so, too. And I think <laughs> everybody owes me an apology. Everybody who has been like, Carla, talk so much. Everybody shut up now. Shut your faces with your words. <laughs> In my economy of, of 
vocabulary here. Okay, well, wow, we're actually going to wrap this up. So Carla, <laughs> where can everybody find you and your photography? And soon will there be, because you were writing about writing, you were talking about writing and your tweets. Yes, yes, there will be more writing dropping soon. As soon as I have more details on that, I will be gladly sharing that all over the stratosphere. Um, but for now, you can find um, Bedwetter Behead podcast, which I co-host with Meg, which has the newest episode coming out actually a couple of days before this drops. So go back and listen to our episode. You can find that podcast wherever fine podcasts can be found. You can find us on Twitter at bedwetbeheadpod, on Instagram at bed.wet.behead.pod, on First Rook, uh, just look for Bedwetter Behead podcast. You can find my photography on my Instagram Twitter at Carla Temis or my website, carlatemis.com. That's C-A-R-L-A-T-E-M-I-S. Awesome. Thank you. And this is Erin. You can follow me on Twitter at EAprilBeauty. The E and the A and the B are capitalized. Be sure to like the show on Facebook at facebook.com slash it's a fandom thing pod. On Twitter at fandom thing pod. No, it's in that one. On Instagram at it's a fandom thing pod. On TikTok at it's a fandom thing pod. If you would like to be a potential interview guest on the show, Christian, <laughs> we're speaking to you. I, I I believe you're filming something right now, but take a break and come and talk to us. <laughs> Reach out to us at um, it's a fandom thing pod at gmail.com. But on our next Christian effing bail episode, we are talking about the movie that he won the Academy Award for, and that's The Fighter. He's for Best Supporting Actor is what he won it for. And it's another one where he lost a lot of weight. Not as much as this one by any means, but he did lose a lot of weight. And so we're going to be talking about that one. This is a first time watch for Carla, right? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and I felt we had to cover the one that he actually won an award for. I felt it was kind of necessary um, because, you know, I probably would have chosen something else. I like this movie, but I probably would have chosen something else. But I thought it was kind of necessary to cover that. So and go watch his Academy Award acceptance speech. I like that speech, too. <laughs> it's not as funny as the Golden Globe one, but it's still really good because <laughs> he doesn't thank Satan. So <laughs> that was just the best. I don't thank Satan. <laughs> Unfortunately, the fighter is not streaming anywhere right now, but you can rent it for like $3.99 on Amazon, Vudu, YouTube. So it's available for that if you want to watch it before and if you haven't seen it before. It's a good movie. It's a good movie. I'm not saying it's not a good movie. And the director will probably be talking about the fact that the director, even though he directs a lot of movies I love, is very problematic. And that's David O. Russell. So <laughs> and so is Mark Wahlberg is problematic too. Sorry, Carla. <laughs> I know that was part of the reason I almost left it off because I was like <laughs> the trash. Okay, well, that's it. So until next time, remember it's a fandom thing. Black Lives Matter and stop Asian hate.